Welcome to the Vineyard Boise Sunday Message Podcast. You can join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on Facebook, YouTube, and vineyardboise.org slash live. Subscribe to our message podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And if you'd like to support Vineyard Boise, you can give online at vineyardboise.org slash give. Today's message is brought to you by Pastor Steve Wolford. Enjoy. I just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful to be here. When I see that video, I just think of the word faithful. Faithful. So many people faithfully serving. And then on top of that, the faithfulness of God. Because he's our provider. He's the one we depend on. We can jump through all the hoops and get all the food that we can find, but ultimately we have to depend on him. There's days when we, we don't know what's coming in, but we depend on him. And I just praise God for his faithfulness. You know, I'm so, I'm so privileged to be the pastor over Compassion Ministries. Who, who wouldn't want that role, right? <laughs> and that comprises five areas in our church. In case you wondered, it, was, it includes our garden, which is lying fallow this year. It includes our financial assistance ministry, a team that uh, talks to people who are in dire need, prays with people, gives financial assistance. It includes our medical clinic, just staffed by amazing people that uh, come on Wednesdays and Saturdays between 9 and 11 and serve people with no insurance that need medical help. And that includes feeding God's children. Some of you here, many of you here have served there, feeding people in the park who are hungry, um, but hungry for more than, than meat and bread. They're hungry for the bread of life. And so what an opportunity that is. And then the pantry. And I spend most of my time in the pantry, but I just thank God for what he's doing here. I thank God for the opportunities that we have for, for us to serve here. And I would encourage you, if you've never served in one of these ministries, to, to check us out. We have, a, we have a table outside afterwards, but just we have a whole list of ways that you can serve. And uh, one of them is that we have a, a, a grocery cart in the corner of Heritage Hall every Sunday. You can bring groceries, and I would encourage you, if you're able to, if you buy one bottle of peanut butter, buy two. And if, you're, if your little daughter asks you, why are we eating so much peanut butter, just say, no, we're going to give half of this away. Anything that you would buy for yourself and for your family that you could store on a shelf, we need it. Vegetables, fruit, can, canned fruits, soap, bars of soap, dish soap bath soap, toilet paper, deodorant, everything you need, others need. And so I would encourage you to jump in in many ways you can come and be a part of the pantry. We need translators, as Laura shared, more Spanish translators. We need drivers for trucks. You don't need a commercial driver's license to drive our trucks. We need a few more drivers. We need people to sort food, to distribute food. We need people to clean up. We need all kinds of people in this family. And I'm just grateful to God for the faithfulness of the people that come and serve there. If you're medically inclined, there's the clinic. You're free to come and talk to Karen about how you can serve there. If you're interested in feeding God's children, they, they have needs. Come. It's, what a great opportunity for your family to serve in the park. Feeding people who are hungry. Feeding people who need the love of Jesus. Being, talk, being able to talk to them about Jesus. What a great opportunity for a family. Opportunities for you to give. 
to help ministries like that to, to, to continue. So uh, I just want to thank you this morning for your faithfulness in your tithes and your offerings because it takes a lot to keep all this going. And so I appreciate you and I appreciate your sacrificial giving um, for these ministries to continue. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful, as I said, to be, to be here as pastor of Compassion Ministries at this time in our church. In case you haven't noticed, there's, no, noticed there's a fresh wind of the Spirit blowing amongst us. Do you see that? Do you sense that? Do you sense that God is doing a new thing? When I, when I started here in January, God spoke to me and he said, I'm doing a new thing. Don't look back. And I'm hearing that all throughout this church. He's doing a new thing and we're a part of it. And I'm so grateful to be here at this time. We're, we're stationed on 22 and a half acres. God has miraculously positioned us in Garden City for this time. And he's blessed us with so much. We have so many resources. And the needs are great in our city. And as we move forward day by day, God just seems to increase our vision and increase our faith for that vision. And so I'm, I'm grateful to be here at this time in this city. And I've never been more certain of being in the right place in all my life. And I just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We are the called ones. You and I, we are the called ones. We have been called to make disciples, have we not? We've been placed in Garden City for the sake of the city to make disciples. And we've been commissioned by Jesus Christ himself who has all authority. And he's given you authority and he's given me authority to go and do the job. And to teach them all that Jesus has commanded us. And what did he command? He said, go, preach the kingdom of God is here. The king of the kingdom is here. Jesus is here. Preach it. And while you're preaching, heal the sick, raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers. Cast out demons. This is what we're called to. This is what I want to be a part of. This is why I'm here. And I thank God for food that bridges the gap between people that have spiritual and physical needs. But I'm here for far more than food. I'm here to share the bread of life. And I'm thankful to join people that have similar hearts, similar calls. God is calling us forward into this city. There's going to be things in the patch. I'm just so excited because all of those cars that you see driving through, the people are going to be coming back inside for a shopping experience. We don't know exactly how or when, but we're just trusting God. He's going to show us. He's going to provide everything we need to do that. And at the same time, we'll be going into the city, door to door, delivering food, eating with people, sharing Jesus with people, crying with people. This is what we're called to. It's what we're called to. And I don't want any less. And I'm just grateful to be here. And grateful to be a part of this church and of what God's doing. We're going to open God's word together. I love God's word. I was, I was born and raised in Central Africa, Congo. DR Congo is my country. Over half my life was spent there. My parents were missionaries, and one of the things they did was to translate the scriptures into the tribal language in the village where I grew up in southwestern Congo, deep in the bush. It took us three days to drive to town, and we only went once a year. It was a great way to grow up. And I noticed there that God's word, with the help of the Holy Spirit, can bridge any language barrier, any cultural barrier, and his word is powerful. And when we open it, we ask the Holy Spirit to come. The Spirit and the Word never work independently of each other. 
They're always working together. When we open his word, he speaks. He speaks. And he speaks right into our personal situations. He brings the word alive to us. And we're asking the Spirit to do that for us today. Right into our search situations. And I love that as I read the word here and as I speak words here, the Holy Spirit is so brilliant. He can come and speak different words over there to you. <laughs> and then he can speak a different word to you. He's brilliant. He has no limit. He knows your needs and he knows my needs. And when we open his word, he feeds us. Let's pray. Oh, we're grateful for your presence, Lord. We can't go an hour, one minute, one day without your presence. It's you we seek today. It's you we want to hear from today. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And it's not, my, not by might and it's not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord God of heaven's armies. And this Spirit, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I've told you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give as the world gives, so don't let your hearts be troubled or afraid. And this Counselor, the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, would take from what is his and would make it known to us. Would you do it again, Jesus? Would you do it again? Holy Spirit, we need the mind of Christ. We need the heart of Christ. We need the wisdom of Christ. Would you take from what is his and give to us as he promised? Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Right here, as in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. I've titled my message today, The Urgency of Intimacy. And that's not anything I came up with. My friend Brian uh, was worshiping in our home with us two and a half years ago, and he he began to speak and pray, and he said, there's an urgency of intimacy right now. And I said, yes, there is. And so it's what I want to talk about briefly this morning, and I want to do so in looking at the king of a kingdom in Second Chronicles 20. If you'll turn to me, with me to Second Chronicles 20, we're going to look at, quickly at the life of King Jehoshaphat at one experience he had together, and we're going to see the results of what intimacy with God looks like. And I want to encourage you today. I don't know all of you here today. I don't know what your challenges are. I don't know what your battles are. I don't know what you're facing, but God does. And he is present in the room. And he wants to speak to you, and he wants to encourage you, and he wants to draw you closer. 
And you may, you may be here this morning feeling like a second-class citizen, but you're not. You're not. You've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus that is worth far more than gold and silver, Peter says. Our lives are valuable. You are valuable to God. He loves you. He's been pursuing you since before the day you were born. And he just wants a relationship with you. He just wants to sit with you. He wants to enjoy a deep, intimate, personal relationship with you. And then out of that, he has purpose for your life. And so I want to just look at the king of a kingdom today in 2 Chronicles 20. In verse 1 it says, After this, the Moabites and Ammonites with some of the Munites came to make war on Jehoshaphat. After this. After what? Well, if we read the preceding chapters, we see that he was a king with great power. He was a king who had over a million fighting men who were prepared and equipped to fight. He was well fortified and God had blessed him. He had made some mistakes and God dealt with him. And now we see in chapter 19 before chapter 20 that he's doing right and he's turning his kingdom back to God. And it says in, in chapter 17 that he was, he was a man who was deeply committed to the ways of the Lord and he obeyed God's commands. And that tells me that he had a deep love for God because all throughout scripture we see the admonition that if you love me, you will obey me. And it says that Jehoshaphat obeyed the commands of God. And you don't have obedience without a love for God. And so this man loved God. He walked with God. He made mistakes. But he was a good king. And he was remembered as a good king. And so, even though things were going well, and even things, though he was doing things right, still, the enemy came against him. Still, he received bad news. And in verse 2, some men came and told Jehoshaphat that a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea, and it's already in Hazazon tomorrow. That is, in Gedi. And alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all of Judah. And the people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. There were three three responses that Jehoshaphat had to the bad news that a vast army was coming against him. First of all, he was alarmed. And I would encourage you this morning that when the enemy comes against you, it's okay to be alarmed. <laughs> we should be alarmed. We should sit up and take notice. We should not fear because we've been given a spirit of what? Power and of love and a sound mind. But it's okay to be alarmed. And, and Jehoshaphat was alarmed. The second thing he did was that he resolved to inquire of the Lord about this. Here was a man with over a million fighting men at his disposal. And he didn't turn to his military strategists. He didn't turn to his wise men. He didn't even turn to the prophets. He turned to the Lord God himself to inquire of God. This is what relationship with God produces. It produces a desire in us when, when, when the chips are down and when we receive bad news to turn and cry out to God. Not to pick up the most popular self-help book that's on the market. Not to even turn to other men or other women, but to turn first to God and inquire of Him. And thirdly, he declared a fast. Fasting is still in, by the way. 
It's still okay to fast. We're still commanded to fast. I encourage you to fast. And he brought all the people cable, and they came together. The whole nation came together there in Jerusalem to seek the Lord. To seek the Lord. And it's a sense, a strong sense that I have that as a church, <laughs> in these days in Garden City, we're in Garden City for Garden City, that we're in over our heads. I feel like I'm in over my head every day with everything going on, all the responsibilities, all the needs, the deep, deep, deep needs of people. Physical needs, spiritual needs, no roof over their heads, no food on their table, crying out for some help. And we just run out of all kinds of things. But we have God. But we have God. We see then that Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in front of the new courtyard. And he prayed this prayer. And I believe it's, it's just a strong sense of mine that we as a church in these times in Garden City with the challenges that we're facing that we need to get on our face before God. Together, corporately, there's power in corporate prayer. We come together, we fall on our faces, and we say, God, we can't do this. We need you. We inquire of you. We ask you, look what's happening around us. We don't know what to do, but we're, we're inquiring of you. We're seeking your face. And here we see leadership at its best, where the king of a kingdom in humility cries out to God before his people. And he cries out, O Lord God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations, and power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. Oh, our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of the land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, if calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name, and we will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save us. This relationship that Jehoshaphat had with his God was built on trust. <laughs> and we see it in this prayer. If we don't have trust, we can't have an intimate relationship with God. If I don't have a trust, if Debbie and I don't have a trust between us in these 40 years of marriage, there's no intimacy between us. Trust is so important. Do you trust God this morning? Can he trust you? So Jehoshaphat continues and says to the Lord, he, he reminds him that, but now here are men from Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and did not destroy them. See how they're repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? Here is prayer is at, his, at its best. Here is a king of a kingdom reminding God of his sovereignty, reminding God of his promises, reminding God of the things that God had told him to do. And he's just saying, hey, God, you told us not to attack them, but now they're attacking us. What do you say about this? You judge them. You deal with them. I don't know about you, but I'm very quick to judge. <laughs> I'm very quick to want to deal with certain people. And God says, uh-uh, vengeance is mine says the Lord, 
your battles not against flesh and blood. I will deal with them. And so he's crying out to God and saying, you deal with them. You judge them. And then here is my favorite part of this story. He prays for, we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. I would encourage that to, if you to under that, underline that in your Bibles. Post it on your refrigerator doors. Stick it on your mirror where you look at yourself in the morning. Put it on the dashboard of your car, this prayer. I have prayed this prayer in the, prayer in the last two weeks several times. When I have felt completely overwhelmed by circumstances, by needs, things that I am, I am unable to cope with on my own. I've literally, even in the wee hours of the morning, gotten to, the, gone to my secret place and got on my face on the floor and just cried out to God and repeated these very words to him. God, I have no power to face what I've been asked to face. I honestly don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. That's the greatest prayer you and I could ever pray. It's a prayer of complete surrender. And if we're going to have intimacy with God, if we're going to be in close relationship with him, we need to come with surrendered hearts, complete surrender. And Jesus modeled it for us, didn't he? Yes. He came, he left heaven. He came as a man, but still fully God. He humbled himself, became a servant of all, went to his death, even death on a cross, so that you and I could have life. And he says in John 10, 10, he said, I've come that you may have life and that you may have it to the full. Abundant life overflowing. Do you have that this morning? What kind of life do you have this morning? Is it overflowing because you're in a deep, intimate relationship with Jesus? Amen. He wants us to have abundant life now. Oh, yes, we get eternal life when we transition. But right now, he wants life, <laughs> abundant life. And the only way I know to get it is just to keep on staying on my face. Keep crying out to God. God, help me. Help me. When we cry out to God for help, he has to help us because he promised he would. And he's not a liar. He keeps his word. He keeps his promises. In Jeremiah 33, 3, I remind him all the time, God, you say, if, if I call to you, you will answer me and you will show me great and mighty things that I haven't seen yet. And he does. I've experienced it in my life, and Debbie and I have experienced it over and over again. I would encourage you to cry out to him. <laughs> cry out to him with every need that you have, because he's a good father, and he answers, and he shows us things we don't yet know. And then all the men of Judah, verse 13 says, with their wives and children and their little ones, stood there before the Lord. There's several places in scripture where I wish I could have been a fly on the wall. And this is one time I wish I could have been there. I wish I could have seen this, experienced this. I think there's times coming for our church when we're going to experience this. We're crying out to God and we don't know what to do. And we're surrendering completely to him and we're saying, God, your will be done. Our eyes are on you and we're just going to wait. We don't care about our programs. We don't care about our plans. We don't care about all this vision that we have. We just want your will. We want that vision to be played out according to your timing and your will. Would you help us?
Would you help us to wait on you? And I just had a strong indication from the Lord from the very beginning in this ministry at the pantry. He says, I'm doing a new thing. And I am going to open the doors. And I'm going to take you by the hand. I'm going to lead you through. Don't open any doors. That was a command I heard. That wasn't a suggestion. He said, don't try to open any doors on your own. I will open the doors for you. And I will take you by the hand and I will lead you through. And that's good for the pantry and it's good for you and your situation today and it's good for me. And I don't know where you find yourself in today, what challenges you're facing, whether it's family or professional, financial, oh my goodness, when our bank, ag bank accounts get hit, <laughs> there's a whole different tenor to our crying out to God, isn't there? So many needs. Oh God, oh God, hear our prayer. We wait on you. And they waited. And then it says in verse 14 that then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. When we wait on the Lord, when we place our faith in His plan, it gives freedom for His Spirit to move. And we see here that the Spirit moved in Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Madaniah, a Levite, and a descendant of Asaph as he stood in the assembly. God really wanted us to know that this was a real man and that this really happened. <laughs> this isn't just a myth or a made-up story to make us feel good. And Jehaziel said, listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you, do not be afraid or discouraged. There's somebody here today, you need to hear this. There's somebody listening online today, you need to hear this. Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. I will take you by the hand and I will open the doors that you need to walk through. You don't need to worry. I will meet every need that you have. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army, for the battle is not yours but God's. There's some of you here today and some of you listening online that need to hear that too. The battle you're facing today is not yours. It's God's. So give it to Him. Release it to Him. Let Him fight the battle for you. Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. And you will not have to fight this battle. Take up your positions. Stand firm and see the deliverance the Lord will give you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Did you hear that today? Stand firm. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord is going to bring to you today. He is going to fight the battle. This is what comes out of a relationship with God. <laughs> this is what comes. This is the kind of faith... And God has had to stretch my faith all through my walk with him. I came to him as a teenager. I surrendered my life to him. And I'm not f really sure that I was fully prepared that all he was going to ask me to do for him and take me through. But I'm grateful. We moved to the United States in 2001. And I have empathy for these people coming through the lines. Who are moving to a new country. 
and they don't know where to begin. I was fortunate I spoke English and I had an American passport and I could get a job. But many of these, over half of these, coming through our line every Wednesday and Saturday, they don't have that. They aren't able to speak English. They have come out of trauma, through trauma, and into trauma. And they have nothing. No paperwork. They want to work. Some of them have skills, amazing backgrounds if you talk to them. But they're paralyzed. And they're afraid, and they don't know where to turn. And they're hungry. There's a Ukrainian couple came through last week through the line. They'd come last month, I met them for the first time, and they'd only been here for two weeks. And they came in late, we'd all closed up, all the food was put away, and we said, what do you need? And we just got it all out. And we just lavished them with food and love and prayer. They're believers, they're followers of Jesus. And as I began to pray for them, they just wept. And kids, half of them are still scattered around Europe somewhere. I saw them again just the other day going through the line this week, and I asked them, how can we pray for you? And I, you know, Google Translate's amazing when we don't have translators, and so the little Ukrainian translator, he spoke into it, and he said, with tears just running down his eyes, pray for our family to be brought back together again. And so we prayed. We prayed. God, we don't know what to do about all of this, but you do. Our eyes are fixed on you. We're waiting on you. We're watching you for the miraculous. Don't tell me my God can't do something. He is capable of doing anything. And we're seeing miracles in this church. We're seeing miracles at the pantry on a regular basis. Yesterday in our, in our devotional time, we just opened up for testimonies, three powerful testimonies of how God was bringing healing to people in the hospital. And the one the doctor said, we have to change everything today because uh, I wasn't ready for this. <laughs> the day before, they were talking about putting feeding tubes in and all this and that, and the guy was sitting there eating breakfast in an answer to our prayer that he would eat again. I could stand here all day and talk about what God is doing. Many of you in here could do the same. Praise God. Praise God. The battle is his. It's not ours. But we have to confront the enemy. We have to stand against the enemy. We've been given the armor. We've been given the Holy Spirit. We've been given God's presence. And he will do the fighting. And again, the second time... He said, do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Did you hear that twice today? Do not be afraid and do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow and the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down and worshiped before the Lord. And then some Levites from the Kohathites and Korites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. When we get extra food at the pantry that we didn't order, when a truck just appears and backs in with a bunch of meat or a bunch of something that we've been asking for, and we didn't even know it was coming, we stop everything and we go outside and we circle up and we praise God with a loud voice. Amen? He is our provider. So we give him all the praise. We give him all the praise. 
And so that's what they were doing. And they praised him with a very loud voice. And early in the morning, they went out in obedience and they left for the desert of Tekoa. And as they set out, Jehoshaphat stood up. We see a king now operating in his full authority that God had given him. And he's saying, listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God and you will be upheld. Have faith in his prophets and you will be successful. This is what a relationship with God produces. Faith like this. There was a time in my life when I hit my 50s and I was just like, God, what are you doing? I don't know what my purpose is. I don't know, even know if I have a purpose. I was flying for a family in California. I'd been a pilot at that point for almost 37 years. And I was becoming jaded and I was like, God, what do you want to do? I don't know. And I was upset with God and I was upset with everybody. I was even upset with homeless people in my town. Everybody was making me upset. And God in his mercy... God in his mercy sent me into the riverbed where the homeless were, where the tents were lined up. And he said, I just want you to go and sit with them and pray with them and listen to them. And so for months, I would go down and do that. And he changed my heart. God changed my heart, my stony heart, and gave me a heart of flesh, a heart of compassion like Jesus. And I'm so grateful. And out of that in 2016, I was praying one night and I heard him say, he called me to, to, to inner healing and deliverance ministry. And he said, all in one breath, I want to start with you. And I said, oh God, what does that mean? You want to start with me? I got down on my face on the floor and I said, God, help me. I don't know where to begin with this. I'll do anything you tell me to do, but I don't know where to begin. And he raised me up, and over the next year, he connected me to people who could help me with my own issues. I didn't even know I had issues. I knew I didn't like myself anymore, but I didn't know what was causing it all. And by the way, this is after years of serving the Lord. This is after almost 15 years of being a missionary, and Debbie and I serving together in Africa in a flight ministry there. And God in my mid-50s got a hold of me out of his love and his mercy, and he drew me close. And he was tender and he was kind. And somebody was asking us the other day about our 40-year marriage and what it looked like to stay together for 40 years. What's the key? And I was talking about forgiveness. And I was talking about Debbie's heart, that before bed every night, we deal with every situation that's between us. If we've had an argument, we deal with it. We don't let the enemy get a foothold. And there's times when I have been unkind to her. And she has taken my face in her hands. And she's guided my face and my eyes to her eyes. She says, look at me. I forgive you. I love you. And so many times when I talk about the tender, loving mercies of God, this is how I have sensed him dealing with me. He's never come in anger. He's never come in condemnation. He's only come in love. And he's shown me his way in kindness. And he's asked me to do hard things. And he's given me his Holy Spirit to accomplish it. And I'm so thankful that he's changed my life. He's changed my life. He's always tender. He is always loving. He is always kind. He's not like the enemy who shames us and accuses us and condemns us. My God is a loving God. And he comes to meet me right where my pain is right where my weakness is. And he directs my gaze to him. And he says, I love you. I forgive you. Now get up in my strength. I have work for you to do. 
And by 2017, I realized that I could no longer fly airplanes, and, and it was a difficult thing for me to even think about. It's all I loved to do was to fly. So I made my living, and I'm like, oh God, how do we pay the bills? What am I going to do? Because I can't keep flying and respond to your call, because I need to be available. <laughs> and I was on call flying for a private owner anywhere they wanted to go, any time of day or night, any day of the year. I had to be available. God didn't say stop flying. He just offered me an opportunity to serve him over here, and then kindly showed me that I couldn't do it unless I surrendered. And so I'll never forget that month of wrestling with God. God, what am I going to do? How do I pay the bills? Romans 12.3 says that we've all been given a measure of faith. Your faith may be much stronger than mine. I may only have a mustard seed, and I felt like that's all I had. But when I finally made the decision, okay, I'm going to stop flying, and I'm going to step out of it, and I met a friend of mine who'd showed me how to start a window washing business, and I got a friend to join me. And for the next three and a half years, I washed windows all over Orange County and L.A. County, all hours of the day and night. Yeah, wow, that's right. That's what I said, wow. <laughs> he took me from 45,000 feet to 12 feet on the top of a ladder. <laughs> And he gave me the strength to do it. And you know what the best thing is? This is what I want to hear you, you to hear this morning. Faith is a gift from God. We all have a measure of it, but it's what we do with it that matters. It's the action that comes out of it that matters. And when he touches you to do something, you do it. And you do it with all your might. And you place your faith in him because we can't do it on our own strength. The battle isn't ours. It's his and when I stepped in, all I could, way I can describe it is that with my mustard seed of faith, I took one tiny step into my new future, and God ran like the father who ran to his prodigal son, and he gave me all the faith I needed. I had such an increase of faith. He gave me all the ability I needed to step into something totally new, and he gave me the joy and the peace to do it. And my first contract was with the Jet Center at John Wayne Airport, and we go out at 3 in the morning and clean those windows till 9 a.m. And I could look through the window in the hangar and see that big, beautiful jet that I'd been flying for the last 11 and a half years. I'm like, oh my goodness. I have such joy. I have no regret. Washing windows. And he worked on me for three and a half years, and he taught me about humility. And I still have a long way to go in this department. And he showed me my pride. Oh, man, did I have pride. I had pride I didn't even know about. And he taught me. And he said, I'm going to make you into a nobody for me. And you know what? I accepted that with joy. That's him. That's not me. At the bookstore out there, you'll see a rack with staff picks. As the staff, we've been asked, hey, what book would you recommend? If you go out there, you'll see this under my name. It's by Andrew Murray. It's just called Humility. It's the best little book next to the Bible I've ever read on humility. It's very short, very small, but it will take you time to read it. I encourage you to read it because without humility, there will be no intimacy. And without intimacy, we will not know what God is asking us to do and have the ability to step into it by faith, to walk by faith and not by sight. I have to close. So they went out early in the morning. 
And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness. And as they went out at the head of the army, not the tail, at the head of the army, saying, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. So what about this, church? We send Jesse and the worship team out at the head of the conflict? Yes, yes, yes. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes. And the enemy will go. We're not going to take the time this morning. The enemy destroyed themselves. And this whole story is just the thread of praise and prayer and prayer and praise and praise and prayer and prayer and praise. We always ought to keep praying and not give up. Luke 18 once said, Jesus' own words, always pray and don't give up. Don't stop praying. Don't stop falling to your knees. Even if it doesn't appear that anything or any change is happening, don't stop praying. Don't stop praying and getting into your secret place with God and pressing into that intimate relationship. Don't stop corporate prayer with the body of Christ. It's so important. It's so important. It unlocks things. And then praise, praise, praise. Sometimes it's hard for me to praise when it's difficult. I'm in a difficult situation but I'm learning to do it better. Pull up to a stoplight and roll your window down and start shouting, thank you, Jesus, praise you, Jesus, hallelujah, <laughs> and watch the reactions of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, praise him, praise him going into the battle. So we got to wrap up. Three days, three days to pick up all the plunder three days. God's placed us in Garden City Church. He's placed us in this valley, and he wants us to take territory. What is the plunder? What is the plunder, Brian, that he wants us to take for his glory, for the sake of his name, for the sake of the city? We are called. We've been commissioned I love the end of this story in verse 30. It simply says, And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace for his God had given him rest on every side. Do you have rest on every side today? A couple times a year, I just sense the Holy Spirit saying, Come closer. Go deeper. Get to know me better. And that's what I want to encourage you with this morning. Jesus is inviting you this morning to come closer, go deeper, get to know him better. Because I have discovered, as many of you have here today, that everything flows out of that intimate relationship with him. Everything. All the trust, all the faith, all the victories, all the answers to questions, all the wisdom, all the discernment, it comes <laughs> from him and from knowing him. And we heard last week that we've been given everything we need for life and righteousness through our knowledge of who? Through our knowledge of him who saved us, through our knowledge of Jesus. So get to know him. Get to know him all throughout the word. We see that word, no, no. God says, get to know me. Get to know my ways. Don't be like the Israelites that rebelled in the desert. Get to know me. Get to know his ways. Jehoshaphat knew the ways of his God. 
and he was given peace on every side. Ultimate victory. So I don't know what you're dealing with this morning, brother and sister. I don't know what's on your plate, but God does. God does. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you are not a second-class citizen. You have been bought at a price, and you have been commissioned to go. To go with the body of Christ, to take territory for Jesus. I love Matthew 11, 28. You can put that slide up, 28 to 30. I get on my face, and I remind Jesus that he says, has said this time and time again. Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, all of you who are carrying burdens, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. You will have peace on every side, but come to me. So we're going to stand together now. I just want to invite you to open your hands. It says, come to me. If you're feeling any strain right now in your life, and you're not yoked up with Jesus, you're not in alignment with Jesus, there's forgiveness. He's inviting you to just come. Come lay it all down. Come, worship team, you can come. He's inviting you this morning just to come to him. He wants nothing more than a deep, personal relationship with you. And there's an urgency of intimacy in our nation and in the church in America today. There's an urgency, brothers and sisters. People are in need and people are dying and Jesus is coming soon. There's an urgency in his call for intimacy with him. I want to invite you today, if you've never, ever surrendered your life to Jesus, you've never, ever made a decision that, Jesus, I'll give you my life. I repent of my sin. Would you come and cleanse me? Just clean me up. There's nothing you've done that God can't forgive. I invite you to come forward this morning. Just come. Surrender to him. He's a good God. Come. Come meet him for the first time. You are welcome. He is welcoming you. Thank you, Lord. If you need to pick up your kids, you're free to pick up your kids. Thank you, Lord. This morning, if you want a deeper relationship with him and you realize that you're hungering for that, I invite you to come forward this morning just in full surrender. Just come and surrender before your God. Just come. Come receive prayer. Just come. Say, Jesus, I need you. Come, Holy Spirit. Don't know how to face this vast army is coming against me. But my eyes are on you. Just come. He wants you to draw close to him. You're welcome. Just come. Come. Don't 
what you're facing today, but he wants you to draw you closer in intimacy with him because out of, out of that, everything flows. And he has a plan for your life. So yeah. listening. To respond or receive prayer after the live stream closes, please email prayer at vineyardboise.org. And if possible, include your phone number. We'd love to get in touch with you. Thanks.